and we're live. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast. Uh, we have an incredible guest with us today uh, by the name of Rainer Frederick. And there is no E uh, on the, there is a one E, not two, because we had some email malfunctions. But uh, Ray is an awesome dude, played uh, basketball with Daniel at GCU, um, kind of got roped into the rest of the friend group at AM um, just because of the amount of uh, indecent exposure that he's provided all of us in, in various group settings. And uh, it's just really an awesome dude, though, and has a lot of deep, thoughtful, insightful wisdom and uh i think a lot of great stories to share so we're excited to have you ray thanks for joining us yeah man happy to be here um i'm thinking back to the first time that i met dan and he came to check out gcu and we were kind of like dming on twitter back and forth before instagram was really a thing and i remember just feeling like this I, I couldn't even really describe it, but there was some type of uh, almost preemptive connection that I felt would maybe come to fruition. I just had a feeling that he was going to transfer there. And then when we became homies, it's, it's crazy to see now um, uh, all the fun that has come from that and how he so generously shares in relationships. Right? Some people will covet or protect because they don't want someone else to become better friends or whatever. And Dan's just been incredible in Know, allowing me to be a part of the group. So I feel like, you know, the little little brother a bit because you guys were all in school grinding together, but it's been super fun and love you two guys. So happy to be here. Dude, absolutely. I, uh, I, this might podcast might be all about Dan and first impressions, but I vividly remember Dan as well on my first visit to A&M when I was, uh, gonna be like a walk-on recruited walk-on at AM. and the weirdest thing i think i've told you this dan maybe but i remember in the locker room after we got done playing you taking your shirt off no homo having all the tattoos and i'm like dude this guy is so edgy like intimidating almost but like there was that same kind of energy feel i felt like there was some deepness to this this person um, so that's funny that that was your first impression as well, Ray. Dude, that's awesome. And for anyone who's listening that doesn't know me, these dudes are painting me in a particular light, which I really appreciate, but there's more to it than that. And I also only have one tattoo on my torso. So it sounded like I am like a biker gang member or something. And I just gotten like my first tattoo. I think I was 19 at the time and I got one on my ribs. Um, so that was a big step, but that was a big step for all of us at that, at that age. So, um, man, Grant Jolly, one of my favorite human beings, Rainer Frederick, one of my favorite human beings and, uh, really excited to hear Ray's response just cause you know, he just lives life in, in my view, just lives life to, to the max potential. Like he's going to leave nothing left in the tank at the end of the day. And we just want to try and grab a little bit of that. So hopefully our questions allow him, you know, the space to just get to speak from his heart. So G money, do your thing, bro. Yeah. Um, well, without being too, too, uh, you know, orchestrated here, but I know we did have a, a list of questions that we sent over 
beforehand and, and we'll go through those as organically as possible. But, um, you know, the first one's really just tell us, you know, something in the last three months or, or so in the recent uh, past couple of weeks, even that's made you feel uh, fulfilled or, or excited or passionate. Yeah, this year has been really weird for a number of reasons. Um, playing even into uh, y'all asking me if I'd be willing to do this because it's, I feel like I haven't made much progress without coming down. I feel at a high level, like I hadn't made much, pro- much progress. I've been in kind of a brain fog. This year was tough on everyone. Um, I work at a desk. So I was working from home, super lonely, but um, although it hasn't been ideal physically, I was injured in March and hadn't really worked out since then. It's actually been incredible from a personal growth and development standpoint, um, as well as growth with my wife. Uh, so we, which, which we have kind of both individually and collectively, we've been very diligent in improving communication kind of throughout this year. And that's probably the most satisfying thing that I could ever imagine. And, uh, you know, as we were spending more time together with, with me at home and, and, uh, um, just, uh, you know, everyone was quarantined for a period of weeks. She was still working some, but we had a few week period. So with us home this year, I think it, for us, it made it. I think, sadly, I think with a lot of other people being forced to be together, um, would probably expedite some divorces that would have otherwise happened in a few years. Because um, if things were not good, being around people uh, would just not be great, obviously. But uh Throughout us improving our communication, I realized that conversation, just a, a normal conversation with Heather is incredibly fun. So just to share thoughts and talk with um, the person who I think God tied my soul with. And one of those things we've been reveling in, um, and which is, an, uh, which is my example that I'm getting to in addition to Heather uh, as kind of a, a warm up and, and us growing is um, uh, the simplification of our life and side hustle. So we previously had the Airbnb and then a weekend apartment. We live in the house. We'd go stay at the apartment um, whenever the house is booked, but decided not long ago to uh, turn the house over full-time to Airbnb it and then just live full-time in, uh, in the apartment, excuse me, in a new apartment, which we're now in. We've pretty much furnished it all out now, um, uh, and, and as we're kind of rolling into the new year, I'm not a new year, new me kind of person, but I am super OCD. So I love clean breaks and, 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 uh, whether it's, you know, start of a week, month or a year. And so we've been discussing kind of goals for 2021. So, um, getting kind of simplified in the apartment, having the house offloaded to, you know, someone else's managing. And then planning for how we're going to take over the world in 2021 has been very fun. And I think it's given both Heather and me a lot of energy. That's awesome, man. Um, Dude, you mentioned a few things in there. I definitely want to talk, you know, circle back and and dive deeper into the Airbnb situation you have going on because you've owned that property now for two two plus years, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep, we bought it in December of 2018. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, it's a beautiful spot for those who haven't been, uh, anytime your travels take you to Nashville, definitely hit a Bray for your next, uh, vacation rental. But 
I wanted to talk about something you hit on before that, which was, um, you know, your relationship with, with Heather, your wife, um, you know, you talked about sometimes with COVID relationships are kind of make or break at this point. What, what have you done to strengthen your relationship and, and increase that dynamic now being such close quarters and, and everything circumstances environment now being so drastically different than they were pre COVID. Um, what, you know, what kind of steps have you taken to make sure that you guys have grown stronger through this, this time? Yeah, I would say probably, uh, obviously the theme that I share was communication. And so, um, as we got into this year, kind of the beginning of this year, February, we had a wedding where we went to um, San Diego. I think it was in February. It was right before COVID hit. And I remember that being a really special weekend. And that kind of, I don't know if subconsciously I felt like, I, you know, I think we're great, but I felt like we could even continue to grow more. And I think that's probably the difference between the haves and the have-nots or the 99%, the 1%, the 1%. Not saying that I am that, but I'm striving to be there is even if it's the best and everyone says, Oh, you've got to have the best marriage ever. Well, that's relative to other marriages that may be trash because within the confines of ours, all I ever want to be doing is improving. Kind of like the Matthew McConaughey adage that he shared that's been, you know, obviously gone viral many times over. And he said his hero was always like him in 10 years. And so we always, have always talked about wanting to improve. And this year we really just kind of started drilling into after that wedding insecurities, like confidence, like both of us trying to unpack past memories, things we've experienced, trauma, et cetera, um, to, to grow further and closer together. And, you know, Heather is the, the single most important theme in my life because she saved my life. And, and kind of really built me up into the person who I am today, who is not perfect or special or anything. But with her, it's been incredible just to see what, you know, insecurities or pain or whatever could be improved upon just by having someone who really loves you and cares for you. And so um, just drilling in, I mean, talking every day, being very intentional with, caring for each other because it's so life is so complicated. It's so easy to forget that you have to check in on someone else, right? If you had a long day, if I've sat at a computer all day, Heather's been working, you know, has a staff of a hundred people for us to then come back together. Having dealt with entirely different things, you may without working naturally be rude or less patient. Um, but working every single day and treating each day like it's just the start of the race is, I think, how uh, quite simply all you need to do uh, to be successful in marriage, which has been awesome because it's really worked for us. That's beautiful. Dia, do you have any follow up to that? Yeah, I've got a lot of different thoughts. But one thing that I'll share is just um, because I know Ray and getting to see the way that he um you know, really like you use the word attack, but look, taking a look at insecurities, but really th self-limiting beliefs and things that you believe about yourself. And maybe it's you think that someone else, you know, sees in you. And I, I just know knowing you, you know, before you got married to Heather and now afterward, I'll just say, you know, that's 
you know, your, your proof of that, that having somebody there to be able to walk in that vulnerability and process through those things together has really made all the difference. So I just love to hear you. It's, it's encouraging, you know, for, for anyone who's single or married, you know, um, or somewhere in between some people are, you know, been living together for 10 years. I think at, at a certain point you're legally, wherever you're at in your relational journey, you know, this idea that, um, you know, people living at home during COVID, like the, the stuff is just getting exposed. It's not like staying at home the whole time, like doing some bad thing to you necessarily, um, you know, cause you can still get outside and do what you need to do. But like, if you're eventually just being, you know, who you really are is being revealed and you're going 10, 20, 30% deep in who you are with those people around you. And you're not willing to, to change and work through that stuff it's going to be tough for you. So I just, what I hear from you is that you guys have been, you know, you, you wouldn't say that you're special. You're just willing to face that stuff and go through it. Um, you know, so I just, I just know, you know, and knowing you vulnerability and just genuine connection is something that you prioritize with your relationships and you would put that above, you know, other things. And so I don't want to skip too far ahead because I know some of the other questions we're, are going to touch on it, but I just wanted to say that man, like the way that, it seems like you embody vulnerability with your wife is really cool. You post, you know, pics of you grabbing your wife's butt every other Instagram post. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that Heather and I have spoken. So what you said is I don't think I'm special. It's just kind of being open to that. And I think with just about anything, like there are people who are naturally talented, right? There's a few different there are people who are not super talented, who work hard, who succeed. There are people who are very talented, who don't work super hard, who succeed. And then there's kind of obviously within there, kind of talented, work medium, et cetera. Um, I've always said to have, I mean, at my root, I don't think I'm that intelligent. I've got reps. My brother, my siblings were always the more intelligent one. The one above me, um, sister went to Stanford. I'll talk about that later. Kind of insecurity or things, preconceived notions I had about myself. My uh, younger brother um, is, is an absolute freak. Photographic memory. Went to law school. Killed the LSAT. Full ride scholarship to KU. He's now an attorney. And his, I mean, the way his brain works is insane. My dad's basically a genius. My older brother, you know, aced multiple sections of the AC, SAT. That was never me. I was C student in high school and I was just open to the idea that working hard, you know, growth mindset, G jolly, like we always talk about would open things up and allow for growth and improvement. Um, and it's basically about not allowing any thoughts inside your head to the effect of maybe what if I can't do that? You know, what if I get this and I'm scared that I won't be ready no, if I do get it, I will be ready, right? There's no point in addressing that or worrying about that. So hard work, I mean, all of the themes that the three of us have talked about over the years are all very true and it's fun. I mean, life is just like a test tube. So every day that Heather and I are waking up, we are putting these things to the test, trying this, figuring this out. Um, and, and to that, it's, you know, an awesome journey, one which I'm uh, fortunate to just get to play a part in. Yeah. And I think that segues pretty cleanly into, you know, the next segment of questions, which um, revolve around really, we want to kind of talk about your strengths, but um, you know, you mentioned that you may not have been the smartest kid uh, of the bunch, 
uh, at least just naturally talented in, in some of these different ways that your your brother and your your dad and, and siblings are. But what's um, maybe tell us like an example of a core strength that you've that you've now developed through you know sheer work ethic and grit that you maybe didn't naturally have to begin with. Yeah. Strength, interestingly enough, it's actually, you know, that strength and skill um, is grit. I've got, you know, grit and perseverance. I had a high school basketball coach, uh, Brett McFall. His father was a, high, a Hall of Fame high school coach in, in uh, Overland Park. His father came on. He became the head coach, the varsity coach my senior year, the son, the younger one. He brought his father on as an assistant. So his father is, you know, was I think at the time in his 60s, um, kind of on a retirement gig. Uh, but one of the things that he yelled all the time was grit. And I didn't really get what grit used to. At the time, I didn't really know what it was. I think I did have it, but I developed grit through um, a lot of rejections and disappointments. The primary one being basketball. You know, I never was I never achieved what I wanted to. You know, when you're a kid, you don't dream of playing at Mississippi College. You dream of playing at Kansas University uh, or Duke or North Carolina or whatever. Um, and uh, But yet I found that just by uh, pursuing basketball in my dream, I developed the opportunity to kind of become almost bulletproof. Um, and through that, I mean nothing like – Oh, what's another rejection or setback? But you have to get through the wall, which is, you know, even this year, I'll con- I've continued to grow and experience that. Prior to getting my job and us coming to Nashville, which made us so happy, there were rejections and other jobs that didn't work out. I applied to be a Rhodes Scholar. I was certain I was going to get an interview. I didn't get it. You know, I was cut my freshman year, and then they were like, never mind, you weren't cut. You can be on the C team. Through all of those things, it allows, uh, you know, one to experience growth and realize, you know, getting told no isn't the end of the world. And I think that's one of the biggest differences between um, people who kind of give up and are like, oh, I'll be part of the mushy middle or the tail end. Um, and then those who kind of are really on the front end of the uh, bell curve. Dude, so Ray, do you mind speaking to a little bit of what happened at GCU? Um, you, you don't have to share all details, but that's a practical example that in, in my view, I mean, I think that would have crushed me and I, I, and I know it would have crushed a majority of people. And instead it's been something that's, you know, you've utilized to better yourself and become someone who overcame that. I I just wonder if you, if you'd be willing to, to share some of that. Absolutely. So uh, obviously was, you know, five, six as a junior in high school, unrecruited. Then you're five, six white dude, you know, saying you're going to dunk someday. People are laughing at you. Went through a pretty big growth spurt, um, but was completely unrecruited. Had one squad I was going to walk on at. Went there, um, 6'4", 165, basically. Put on a lot of weight, improved significantly, was competing for a starting job as a sophomore, uh, but they wouldn't pay me. They didn't, I was paying full ride. Um, less, you know, academic scholarship when my teammates were on full ride, um, ultimately decided kind of on a whim. There's multiple 
on a whim decisions I've made in my life, which has led me to where I am. Um, the first of them being leaving William Jewell. We got back from a road trip where we just got spanked and it was like an eight hour road trip over Christmas break. So coming into second semester and I just decided on the bus, I was quitting. Um, so I told the coach that night, um, packed my car, drove home. My dad, who is my best friend, trust him with almost anything, looked at me though and said, you're making a really big mistake. He gave you a chance. You should, you should not do this. And I just felt in my gut, like I would outgrown my shoes. So that was, you know, I was confident in getting to go find a new place, had opportunities at good division two schools to transfer to um, Tulsa, uh, had a connection to Danny Manning staff at Tulsa was maybe going to have a walk-on opportunity. Tore my, uh, partially tore my meniscus then through a freak accident. By the time I healed, scholarships were all given out. So I actually quit basketball. I was going to go to KU with my brother, go to camp, um, a camp that I grew up going to. And this thing that I loved more than anything, basketball, that I literally had to give up to God um, was brought back into my life because I kind of healed up. We were playing basketball. This is two weeks before I'm set to not be playing college basketball anymore. And uh, this guy who happens to be Lou Olson's former assistant. I don't even think he was supposed to actually drop off his daughter at camp. I think his wife was, but Lou Olson's former assistant is, is now the coach at Green Canyon university. He shows up at this camp. He sees me playing pickup. He walks up to me and he's like, Hey, this is kind of crazy, but talk to some people about you. Um, you want to come play for me? I'm looking for a three-man, and, and this is kind of a crazy God thing, but do you want to come play? And literally like that, basically decided, yeah, go there. It's incredible. So God took basketball from me, kind of gave it back in this beautiful way. You know, I'm playing it on a crappy court as a walk-on, and then I'm at, I'm at a school that's about to be Division I, $50 million arena. It's been given back to me. I'm, I'm a Division I basketball player, everything I could ever want. We go 28 and 27 and 26 and eight, whatever it was that year, he gets fired uh, while we're at the national tournament in, in an effort to just, you know, crush us because it was the night before we even played purely in a political move to bring in um, former NBA superstar, Dan Marley, who was Jerry Colangelo's boy who had drafted him obviously to the Suns. Long story short, Dan Marley, former NBA superstar, who I didn't know who he was, but people freak out. Um, we worked out with him for a few weeks and then I'm sitting across the table from him and he tells me, sorry, you're cut. Right. So the, I've got it. Then I don't, then I've got it. Then I don't. And I mean, it absolutely crushed me, but I remember at the same time feeling a confidence and even expressing it to you, Dan, like, I know it's going to be okay. And it was and, and exactly what needed to happen did. So then from there, um, you know, signed to go back to a school in Kansas, but had just a horrible feeling about it, was depressed. Go back to that same camp where I met Russ and decide basically in one night to go play with my buddy in Mississippi, where I meet my wife, who if I hadn't, I, I, I don't know where I would be or in what state I would be in. So, um, I mean, that right there is like four to five big, big disappointments that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to experience. And one of the themes that I, Heather and I have been talking a lot about is none of our pain has ever been wasted, right? My pain of that messed up family stuff 
right? Really funky childhood, which I'm still working through memories and kind of, I think trauma is about my, uh, Heather lost a younger sister. She was five or six and Nicole was three, right? So like losing a baby sister who would be with us today through all those things, they've applied perfectly to like the people we've come across and being able to help them and encourage them. Um, and so all those setbacks and struggles have just, uh, turned out for the better. And so now, you know, it's this weird thing where when you're in the midst of it, it sucks and you want to get out. But then when you're up here on the high, you're looking back down the last one, like that one was so beneficial, but you find yourself in the midst of this one. You're like, I don't want to be in it. Right. But you're basically a month away from looking back and it's like, Oh, that's why this happened. So all of these things kind of, this is the cool thing that they all tie together, right? What's giving me energy right now, losses, risk, you know, past setbacks, rejections. So. Dude. And that's, that's something that like, you know, you, you in my mind are a true protagonist in that you are open about your story. And I mean, you even had on your Instagram bio at Dan Marley cut me, but then I found a super hot wife in Mississippi. So jokes on him. You know, so just yeah, somebody coming with a with a 2020 edit uh, from earlier this year that um, he got fired this year. So jokes on him, too. <laughs> <laughs> but you so you like someone goes to your page, you know, and gets a snapshot of a key moment in your life, which one shows that you're able to say that and not have to hide that that happened or lie about it or be like, no, I decided to leave. I didn't want to play basketball anymore. Or something like that. And I feel like that right there is already a huge step in the opposite direction of the typical flow of culture, especially for millennials, because the expectation is that we don't have any incompetencies, we don't have any weaknesses, and we're just crushing it at all times. And I feel like you're a really beautiful example of someone who owns shortcomings, owns mistakes owns that stuff. And then the successes are that much more beautiful. So I just want to celebrate you, bro, for, for sharing that. And that's a painful story for me, you know, and it, it didn't happen to, it happened to me in a sense because we were going to live together and play together and wear Kobe's together mm -hmm. and all the stuff. And that, you know, didn't happen. And then that next year was really, it was hellish in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and that's, that's a whole nother thing, but, you know, just getting to see how you bounce back from that. Um, it really seemed like you took all that you needed to take and just like faced it head on. And, um, you know, we cried about it, you know, um, it wasn't like, Oh, F them. It was like, I feel like you just like experienced the full weight of your emotions on that one. And, um, and then gave other people who know you confidence to do the same. So appreciate you sharing that dude. I wasn't necessarily going to ask you about that, but I just felt like the time is right. And it's such an amazing story that has aspects of redemption there. Um, and now you're, you know, an elite pro-am white dude, dunk on anybody type guy. So, it, you know, it wasn't all for nothing. So. Yeah, man, basketball is, I mean, in all three of our lives, it's just been so special and has applications far reaching beyond just the sport itself. Um, so it's been fun that, it, I mean, the vast majority of the reason why, I mean, I am where I am today solely because of basketball and, you know, Canicuck basically, um, which is, which are just weird things, but, uh, 
it's it's fun to I like thinking back and dropping into the pain previously experienced because it just makes the now so much sweeter. So yeah, one other question that I have just uh, on something you said, and then G Money we can move on. Um, you you've been quoted as saying that you are the sayer of your pain. And the way that you work out, you know, the Wim Hof method, cold shower stuff, you know, the just the way that you train, the way that you, you know, approach business and things like that. Can you speak a little bit to what that means? Like, why would you drop? Why would someone drop into that past pain? You know what I mean? What benefit is there to that? And what does it mean to be able to control your pain in that sense? Absolutely. So one of the ways that I... Uh... This is in 2016, one of the ways that I started trying to improve my, um, uh, you know, uh, willingness to, to be uncomfortable or, or whatever stamina was cold showers. Um, so I have a friend named Brady Middleton, and he encouraged me. I think he told me one day that Teddy Roosevelt used to take cold showers um, first thing in the morning, and uh, and I just became fascinated with that. And so from October, I think 10th, 2016, up through COVID of this year, which was kind of, I think, around March. Um, I did that five days a week. And the thing there is there's so much external pain that we're going to be exposed to, things completely outside of our control, that if multiple times per day, you know, as much as I can, but at least two times, once I'm going to get out of bed early, and it's not going to be comfortable go work out, do what most people don't want to do, and then take a freezing cold shower. Um, I'm exposing myself to something, and that's going to unlock something within my brain that makes it easier for when the next cold shower or crappy thing that I don't want to deal with um, uh, gives me a higher tolerance or threshold for managing that. Um, so that's great. And then it applies to you know pain and trauma and other things as well. If you don't deal with those things, then they, I believe, will metastasize in other ways. Um, uh, character flaws, right, in um, behavioral stuff with, with a significant other, anger, right, because I've been hurt previously and I haven't dealt with that. So the thing I'm probably most proud of is that I've, that I've gone through and kind of cleaned out the closet, if you will, um, and, and, and encouraged and coached and guided Heather along in that as well. Um, which is one of the beauties of marriage, Dan, as obviously you know, and Grant, you'll know someday when you're an awesome husband. Um, the most satisfying thing is like hyping and like, which all, which maybe we can talk about later, but getting the best out of someone else, right? So that applies to you two as friends, but even more so to like my wife. And how can I help her be the best version of herself, in which she obviously is reciprocating and helping me? So, um, yeah. Dude, please, please expand on that because, I mean, how, how do you go about that um, process and in, in bringing the best out of, out of you know, friends, but, you know, particularly your wife? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's probably um, uh, one of my greatest strengths. Um, I've found, you know, it's been a really lonely year, right? Sitting at home for eight to 10 hours a day. Uh, you know, Alex and Allie, others have been quarantined together at home. Heather's been on site pretty much this entire year. So I've been solo, which would have been very different. I mean, it's a difference of 2000 hours that we would have gotten to spend together, even if she was working at her table and I was working at mine. Um, but through that loneliness, 
I kind of uh, obviously went to some dark places and it's, and I just continue to see how when you're worried, Oh, this is the worst. This is the worst. You hang out and you spend some time with someone else, how it's encouraging. And I just would rather worry about other people's pain and like how I can help someone else with that. Um, and it just makes your problem seem like so much less important and significant. Um, I've always loved entertaining and hyping other people. And Bill Clinton has always, you know, putting politics and personal aside, uh, those who knew him, obviously he's older now, but when he was back when he was Slick Willie, he made you feel like you were the most important person in the world and that you were the only person in the world. And so that from a psychological standpoint is very important because most people aren't used to that having someone who really genuinely cares. So whether it's one of Heather's, you know, employees, bartenders who I may see one time or whether it's you guys, when we talk, I want to make you feel like you're the most important person in the world. And I want to help you. This year has been tough with the solidarity and I've been doing my stuff that I've, you know, personally been convicted and I think I've kind of made the rounds and may have already spoken with you about this, but I used to FaceTime my homie to check in way more often, um, which I've struggled with a bit, but I think to that, the theme is sometimes you need to get your mentals right. As my boy Marshawn Lynch says, um, and this year was kind of Heather and me, not spending a whole lot of time with people getting our stuff right. And so we're really optimistic about, we got our internal affairs in order, not that they needed to be, but we just grew even closer. And now like, as we're coming into 2021, how can we expand and scale our reach uh, financially to help people out? Um, uh, Psychologically, you know, helping other people work through their pain, just loving on others. Cause that's the only thing that ultimately gives us satisfaction. So. Yeah. And it's super fulfilling. Like when I get, if I've gotten a promotion, that's cool and all, but I was always, I've always been more excited for Heather's accomplishments and you guys and other people than something that I do, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that not only do you get the best and you're so good at getting the best out of humans, but also of, of your pets. And I wanted to talk about, um, you know, your pooch Oliver, like, Talk to me about how that came about. I know he's a world record holder for those who don't know, but you've created this like intense training regimen to make this dog like this incredible trick, like displayed circus dog. And it's, it's insane actually, but talk, talk a little bit about Oliver and just um, how you have gone about you know, developing and optimizing and making this like the, one of the coolest dogs I've ever seen, honestly. Yeah. So I think to that, it's, that's a good analogy because one, I love getting the best out of people or dogs or whatever it is. And it's so satisfying to see kind of growth in something or someone. Um, That one probably goes to one of the other things that I think is a strength of mine. And I love, although I continue to kind of struggle with what, know what avenue I want to express myself to this but it's entertainment um I love putting smiles on other people's faces um I've you know been posting goofy videos and doing crazy stuff with Oliver for years and that's kind of what started as just making funny videos and then 
I found out that he could stand on his hind legs and walk for a little bit. I sent a video to my dad. He said, that's got to be a Guinness World Record. I looked it up. I found a Guinness World Record. We trained for it for five months. We applied. We broke it. So that was incredible. And similar to, you know, per- perseverance and grit in seeing, you know, I walk into an advanced finance class and I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And then I'm setting the curve at the end of the semester. Oliver, he starts walking on. I watch videos of him back when we first started training. He would do the 10 meters. It would take him almost 10 seconds. And now we're doing it in, um, we were actually, our record was broken only by them changing the rules. Now we're about to re-break it and we'll probably do it in under three seconds. So that's something where I've applied a passion for getting the most out of something, whatever it is, taxes, uh, friendship, marriage, whatever, and seeing an improvement. And then just, I mean, all the people you know, I don't have millions of followers. This is where I struggle with how much time do I spend posting stuff on Instagram? But I have a lot of people who I know enjoy seeing our life and cracking up at goofy videos of Oliver. And so that's been really, really fun. Um, it's probably one of the, one of my favorite things um, because animals are just are awesome and it gives them meaning. It's given him meaning and gives them satisfaction to strive towards something and be rewarded and, um, so that's a fun one and a cool part of my life and kind of random icebreaker, definitely. <laughs> Having a dog that's a world record holder is definitely an icebreaker. <laughs> that's a legit one. If you could have a hinge profile, that would that would make the cut. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely <laughs> the tone there. Um, and really quick, because I, I, I sense just a tinge of bitterness there the record was broken by did you say someone in another country the rule was changed what like what's the deal there yeah so i i've got my assumptions but we so someone in china p dan had the record we broke p dan's record i think p dan had had it for two times and then before that it was jiff palm which is this famous pomeranian we broke p dan's then uh, Wim, I think his name is Wim, some dude in Germany who like grew up in a circus, no joke, who has dogs. Like my dog training is kind of casual, like down my hallway in my apartment. He's got border collies, like flipping off his back. He's in German's got talent, I think, or Europe's got talent. Um, he and his daughter, uh, have a bunch of dogs, one of whom they attempted to break this record with. Um, they, whenever you have someone come on site from Guinness, you pay them a lot of money. I think to that, they are incentivized to, um, it's kind of promotional stuff. And so because you have to pay like $10,000 to have a judge come in, unless you just submit all your stuff and wait four months, um, it would be a big deal if you then didn't get it. So, uh, they told us that the rule was I had, he had to be at one end and I had to be at the other end of the 10 meters and I couldn't have a treat. So I couldn't like run along to be really close and entice him to keep coming. And then obviously couldn't have a treat. He ran along with the dog, had a treat. I saw the video. We received notification. The record was broken. Reached out to Guinness manager. They said, oh, the rules were changed. So it's cool. And we will either break it by using a treat or we may just on principle. I may, we may be able to beat it either way and just ignore the new allowed rules. Um, but we'll beat it soon. <laughs> we've been retraining for a few weeks now 
man what i guess the the, the biggest question now is what kind of treat are you going to use so what i've been using is uh whipped cream so i'm hoping that maybe ready whip uh uh, could, could, we could work something out. No, uh, like a hundred cans of ready whip wouldn't be that great. So maybe they can just pay us like in Bitcoin. Um, but Oliver's obsessed with whipped cream. So I've been joking with people as we've kind of started retraining that he is pretty much levitating because he's going, I was thinking it would take a few weeks to get back going. I said, Heather, Hey, I'm going to try and use ready whip to, to train him. Um, and the first day we went out, I mean, he basically floated and was done and like, <laughs> Two and a half seconds. <laughs> Bro, that's it. Dude, that's incredible. Well, when you do uh, get that world record broken, let us know. We'll we'll have a party, a whipped cream party. For all of Absolutely. Um, man, well, uh, I know we've got about 15 minutes left, but I um, want to maybe ask a few more tactical questions. Um, that yep. might be useful to any listeners, but you know, you've talked a lot about getting the best out of people, like overcoming, um, you know, maybe natural uh, shortcomings by through through grit, through determination. Um, what you know, what tools, like either books or mentors or classes, um, allowed you to to realize those things, if any. Um, or, or it could be even more broadly, like what, what kind of books and, and just resources, tools in general have, have kind of given you the most return on investment for you. Mm -hmm. This one. Yeah. So on this one, I've got kind of a weird, weird answer because I used to think like that there was a secret, you know, if I just read enough books, I could accomplish this. Or if I, you know, completed this certification, it would give me this. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, I haven't personally um, seen that. I can tell you honestly, in the last three years, I've not read a book cover to cover. Um, but I can say a mindset without a doubt uh, will allow for, you know, an incredible ROI because, you know, the, the, the dollars required are basically zero. Um, but my first summer uh, as an intern, as I got between my junior and senior year of college, my dad said, you know, I know you're going to be worrying about a lot, getting a full-time job, getting raises, money, all that. I'm telling you, just focus on relationships and everything else will work, will work out. And at the time, I didn't really know what that meant and it wasn't super satisfying, but I've found that, you know, by knowing this person and having an impact on them, maybe helping them realize the best version of themselves, um, that brought about another relationship, which led to a job, which got me into this community, which I then kept focusing on knowing people. And then I had a good reputation in uh, the legal industry to, to get the job that brought us to Nashville. All of these things focusing on relationships have paid off remarkably and incredibly. And then it's just being open. I think once you get to a more mature point, um, it's being open to uh, sometimes being uncomfortable. We're flying to Orlando last weekend um, to go to Disney World. And I just said to Heather earlier in the day, I feel like with, with, with my age, I'm becoming less patient. I don't want to talk to random people or strangers. I then sit down on an airplane and, and start talking to this guy. And when I first sat down, I was like, man, I don't, I, I don't really want to talk to anyone. So I'll be, doesn't want to talk. 
And then we had an incredible conversation and, uh, you know, got his number and, and we're talking about all kinds of business stuff. Like people become, you know, found million dollar companies with people they randomly meet on an airplane or, or meet through a friend of a friend. And on relationships has allowed us to experience, you know, far more than we ever could have imagined. It brought us here. We've had such a, an incredible, uh, fun few years in Nashville. Um, and then just, I definitely want to speak to him. Maybe I'll let you ask the question. Um, ha- having a tolerance for risk and getting reps in um, is probably one of the most crucial and important things to really us, uh, Heather and me, seeing returns on our investments. It's scary to get into that sometimes, but you got to jump into it. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think you're, you know, talking about your Airbnb um situation and maybe there's other things that that you've done too that have involved a lot of risk but definitely yeah as as maybe that being the jumping board um talk about you know your airbnb endeavors and in in that kind of investment aspect and and kind of what you've done in nashville with that Mm -hmm. so this is an example of you know someone just came to me and said how would you you know what should i do i can't tell you that i can tell you though like the random things my anecdotal experiences, which have allowed uh, investment opportunities to become to be presented to us, which then we were ready for, you know. Um, so we live in Nashville, where obviously the the real estate market is very hot. So is the uh, Airbnb market. I'd been saying to Heather for some time, kind of, we moved here in September of 2017, kind of into 2018. I was saying I would love to get a house. We were not really in a financial position to do so. Um, but I wanted to get a house in Airbnb. The original goal was we want to spend time with our family and make money there. Long story short, we end up buying a house a little bit nicer than we would have if we weren't going to be Airbnb in it. We thought we were going to be able to. Crazy stuff going on with the laws in Nashville. After we go under contract and can no longer pull out, they say you're not going to be able to get a permit. We then were able to get a permit. We got one accidentally. And then they couldn't take it away because the lawsuit happened later. So that's the only reason I'm speaking about it because for a while we just got lucky. Um, and we had a great first year. I remember sitting with Heather being scared, thinking about what if this doesn't work out? It was around that time I decided that I would far rather look back and be like, man, I burned a pile of money on something that could have blown up. Then, yeah, I got my comfortable nest egg of 20,000 or 50,000 because it doesn't take much. I've got that and it's earned, you know, two percentage points in my investment account because I was scared, right? Cause God, God calls us to go and use our talents and, 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 you know, multiply. And that's ultimately what Heather and I want to do, make as much money as possible to then deploy. I don't want the government to have to, help everyone and save everyone. I think if more individuals thought about that in their communities, then um, it would be a better place. But willingness to take risks, right? Heather and I had a uh, uh, Nick Witherall, who was a teammate of Dan and mine at GCU. He created a board called Be- a board game called Bino Board. I joked around with him one time last year and said, um, hey, man, you're going to let us, you're going to let me invest in that? And he was like, Actually, I kind of need an investment. So what do you think? It would be about this much. And I was like, oh, man, that's not good. I don't have that right now. But I kind of like MacGyvered a scenario in which I could like 
pay credit, pay interest basically by sending him money through Venmo. And I had to pay like $250 to, to send it there. Cause I didn't have the cash cause we had just put money down. Um, we were shoveling paying stuff off of the house. I did that. I told Heather it was 10,000 less than it was actually going to be, which is, which I don't suggest people do. Um, she asked me, do you know, like, is it for sure? Are we going to make money and how we make money? I said, no, there's no guarantee, but I'm just telling you, I have a gut instinct about it. Uh, I told Dan earlier, as we were kind of talking before their sales on the month that I bought in and kind of, I would say the rolling 12 on the year before when we bought in went 10 X just three months after we bought in. Wow. And so just like that, we put money in. Now we may not see, you know, we may not see that for a long time, but it's, that's kind of getting to diversification. I now have a friend who put my dog in a music video of Thomas Rhett. We're not talking about collaborating and doing a, you know, partner thing on buying a story that he would turn into a movie and maybe a documentary. So it's kind of, you know, if I had thought about that and, you know, given 10, 15, $20,000 to something, five years ago, I'd be like, Oh man, what if it doesn't work out? And now it's like, I mean, I have no choice, but to do that. Um, so they're scary, but the, the greatest ROI you, you can get is go and find some way to experience risk, whether it's stocks or whatever on a micro level to scale up to where you can really do something. Um, and then I think gut instinct just can lead the way at that point. And at some point, something's not going to work out for us. We've been very lucky, but something will not. And I see now how disappointments um, will be easier, you know. Man, uh, real quick as a follow-up, just because you said something there. And, gee, if you got something else, but in the interest of time, we've got about five or ten more minutes. Um, You know, and and our whole goal, Ray, as you know, know, Grant and I, is to try and – highlight the journeys of other protagonists people who have you know bought in so to speak you know and they've embraced all aspects of their story you know so by looking at this narrative they can see trends where when they were when they embodied bravery and courage it didn't necessarily change the result itself but it changed them in that process and then now they're the future in the way that you know that can kind of take its shape so what would you say, Ray, to somebody who, you know, maybe in our age demographic, maybe not, you know, who can kind of see a life of more, you know, it looks, it seems more secure, kind of whether it be financially or, you know, it's just more the status quo, you know, and they're not ruffling anybody's feathers, they're not offending anybody, um, you know, and there's, there's safety and comfort in that, you know, there's that life, and then maybe they have something that's a passion of theirs you know, they want to invest in something, you know, what would you say to that person? Because obviously you're advocating, you know, for a lifestyle where you're not hunkered down and living out, you know, kind of this fearful mindset of like you said, what if it doesn't work out, you know, and that Mm -hmm. being the reason why you never get in the game, whether it be with Airbnb or whatever, but I I think, you know, a, a larger principle can be drawn. And I'd just be curious to know what you would say to somebody, you know, evaluating what kind of life they want to live. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Heather and I in the last few months have been talking about a, a, something that I've had on my heart that's kind of, I've been, I didn't really know how to articulate it, but I've kind of always been misunderstood. Um, uh, I had a coach that, you know, said I had a bad attitude when I graduated at, at my final school, right? 
that same thing had to Lou Olson's former assistant, you know, the division one basketball coach, he had loved and knew with passion. So I've been misunderstood and I don't want to be a yes man. I don't want to, you know, just agree with all of my colleagues in my workplace or, or other people for the sake of not offending anyone. That's scary and that's hard, but whether it's opinions um, or, or, or taking risks, I would far rather look back and, and say that I really took risks and got the most out of myself, my life, other people, my body physically. You know, I got injured earlier this year after gaining 40 pounds and was the biggest I've ever been at two, 240. I was wanting to go to 260 and trout for the Tennessee Titans. I then was set back. And so um, the last eight months have not been, I've not made gains physically, but in the new year I want to. And so kind of with everything, I think when I go and I meet my maker, I want to be able to say and be confident in the fact that I did everything I could to get the most out of my life. And I would encourage others as well. And, you know, if, if that's not from a stance of faith, it's just, well, if you're going to be here, you might as well not be just a bump on a log, you know, What's, what's the point of living a life um, if at the end of yours you didn't do something, you know, that really made a dim- difference or an impact for others? And so, but it's, it's not easy, man. It's uncomfortable, just like cold showers, right? Having someone disagree with you or, or you know, not like your opinion, um, but it's very satisfying and it's rewarding at times because at other times it's just, shouldn't I just keep my mouth shut and maybe I should just, not worry about ambitions and whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I will just say, you know, again, in knowing you, sometimes it it seems like you've embodied this, um, you know, self, like you're wanting to be the best version of yourself. You engage in practices for that to happen. And actually in doing so, you've actually been able to benefit and bless more people by doing that. And so, or you can be so other oriented in an unhealthy way where you're like, what do they want from me? What do they think? And then I'll live up to that ideal or even hide some of my, you know, abilities so that no one else feels uncomfortable around me and doesn't think I'm a try hard. And all of those things I think are this underlying, you know, deal within our, our society, at least kind of within our age demographic. Um, but I think it goes beyond that, you know, and so I really appreciate your call to action, so to speak, you know, as somebody who has been misunderstood, um, you know, who has gone through difficult things, who have put themselves out there, gotten shut down, put themselves out there again, same thing. And it's just been kind of shaped through that process. That to me is, is who a protagonist is. And so um, that's all I got. G. I I don't know if you have anything that you want to wrap up there, but I just, I want to, again, celebrate you, bro, for, just bringing your full authentic self on here tonight. Um, you know, and there's a bunch more that we can, we can talk about, um, you know, would love to have you on again, but I just want to, you know, really celebrate you, man, for, for who you are and the things that you're doing and inviting other people into that. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. G, if you got some else, you can, you can hit me with it. But, um, you know, as I thought about, uh, as I thought about this, I was actually kind of discouraged when you first asked. And it's because, you know, I've made great strides in certain personal areas of growing in confidence and everything's going to be okay. But I've also kind of neglected certain things, um, uh, kind of about 
um, uh, how can I continue to improve or kind of what's next or thinking big picture or reading a whole lot of stuff. So this year has been both rewarding, kind of positive and negative. And after you asked though, and I kind of thought about this, what this would be a good opportunity for, it was, well, this is a perfect sound, you know, springboard to bounce into the new year and get kickstarted on these new things. Start reading more books like I want to, even though I don't think a book may, may solve something. Um, uh, but it, 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 you know, I couldn't, can't thank you guys enough for this opportunity. Um, and it's, and it's fun to, to, uh, it will be fun to look back if we ever do this again, to think about and look at my face and listen to my voice about where I was at this point in time today, as compared to, you know, if we do this January 4th, 2022. Well, we'll have to put a, uh, a little mark in our calendar for, for the new year, uh, come 2022 hopefully the world is still spinning by then uh but yeah i'm i think that's a good a good end point for us uh ray thanks for coming on my man you are an inspiration you are so hot and uh we're gonna probably edit that out (laughs) or we'll keep it but um yeah dude really awesome having you on and uh look forward to doing it again sometime soon absolutely love you guys and appreciate the opportunity um and keep keep fighting the good fight man thank you bro okay love you guys peace